Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes just like you and me that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch, and I'm excited to have with me back for the second time to speak about his recent experience at Ironman Wisconsin. Doug Broughton, welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. It's, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is this is awesome. Uh, first of all, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Uh, I want to hear about your uh, your experience in Wisconsin. Not only were you a previous guest, but you're a committed listener, right? Yep, definitely. And so uh, we normally we go through a bunch of oh backstory, where we are in life, and all that. And really, what we would want uh, we would want the listener to do if you if you're unfamiliar with Doug. Pause the episode now, go back to listen to episode 52, and then you'll hear all how Doug was introduced to the world of triathlon and how his uh, Ironman Tulsa experience. I, re I, re I referenced Oklahoma City a couple of times in the episode. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, but just that would high make level. More sense, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. High level. Yeah. You live here in the United States. You live in uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin yeah, Kenosha. Yeah, you work a couple of jobs. You have now completed two full distance Ironman races in, we're going to say, five months. Is that right? Well, going back, May, May 22nd was Tulsa, and this uh, Wisconsin was September 11th. So four, four months. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Good for you, for somebody who had who had never done a triathlon Prior to Ironman Tulsa, you've now completed two full distance races in four months. Yeah, yeah, been training for a year, so um, I, I had take had to take a little break after Tulsa just to recover, and then got back yeah. into it. But uh, you know, wow, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a heck of a year. It sounds like <laughs> to say it. the least. Yeah, and so it, being being the uh, the journalist that I am. Doug, uh, I did proper research, which, which means for me that I re-listened to our episode on the way home today. Uh, and obviously just to refresh myself on some of the finer points of things. Exactly. Um, so I, I, there's a couple of questions of course, that, that are going to come up. Okay. Uh, the first of them being, uh, you, you referred to yourself originally as a cheapskate, uh, yeah, in, yeah. In the episode, and and that you, you know, we we discussed how did you talk to your wife about the 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 uh, race fees and all that. How did you manage to get yourself signed up for two races in the same calendar year? Talk well, me through that. I'll be honest. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think if I wouldn't have done the podcast, I don't know if I would have done Wisconsin. To be honest, really. With you. So you're blaming I don't me? Know. Is that what you're exactly, saying? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, in the initial uh, month or so of training, uh, when I got back into it. And the kids were like, well, I thought you already did this. I said, well, this guy on the podcast, he talked me, you know, <laughs> obviously I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I honestly was a little bit afraid to tell my wife about it. And I I was yeah. going to tell her once and then I chickened out. Um, and then I finally just, well, the other thing that helped is I bought um, a bunch of uh, cabinets and stuff to remodel the kitchen, which are still sitting in the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you so made the I effort. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I spent the you money, the you know. <laughs> you made the effort. Well, yeah. before before I forget, I want to take this opportunity to say, and this is something that I don't know that I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot, so hopefully I'll get to do more of it, but I want to take the opportunity to say, 
that I had several people uh, let me know how inspired they were by your episode. Jeez, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate. Yeah, no, that. thank. I mean, that's thank <laughs> you for sharing, uh, yeah. sharing your story, uh, coming on and 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 being a guest and really uh, providing some encouragement uh, to others, right? Which is what we, yeah. I mean, really is the goal at the end of the day is we want to. We want to brag about ourselves a little bit, right? And then, but we also right. want to uh, we want to encourage others. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, exactly. I definitely before I before I forget, we get too deep into. It, I wanted to okay. pass that okay. along to you in person. Uh, thank so you. thank you for that. Yeah. So um, just so we're all on the same page, we are recording this episode uh, a, about a week and a half after your race, right? Yep. The yep. episode will air and probably a two or three weeks. I have to look at the schedule. So it'll be a couple weeks after. Okay. If you're okay with it, um, I would kind of, kind of like to compare contrast your two experiences. If you don't mind, like we didn't sure, really sure. plan, plan it ahead of time, but, um, Tulsa was your very first experience and, and there's always stuff that you learn and go. And then Wisconsin, as I've come to find may go down in history as one of the toughest races. Uh, you know, people will debate and argue that, but they were not yeah. ideal conditions from what I understand yeah. uh, on, uh, on race day. And I'm actually, I, I, I tracked you on race day, right? Okay, so I got, the, I got all the alerts <laughs> just like I do. Uh, and there's one discipline in particular I definitely want to talk about. Okay. Um, but how, how, how would you compare and contrast your two experiences? Well, definitely I did not have the nervousness that I did for Tulsa because it was uh, okay. a lot of unknowns. You, you didn't, I didn't know yeah. what I was getting into. It's, it's not far. It's about a 12-hour drive from where I live in Wisconsin, so it was a different area. I wasn't sure what the climate was going to be like, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely training for this one much warmer out. Um, in fact, there was one ride, long ride. I did 101 degree, uh, heat index. Um, and, uh, I couldn't do the full, full distance like I wanted to, but just, I didn't have strength left, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I went on one of the right. Facebook group pages. And I said, I don't know if I can do uh, Chattanooga cause that's my goal is to do that one next year. And that's oh, known wow. for being very, very hot temperatures. So, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, as far as comparing the two, um, just from a course perspective, uh, there's a lot of hills in Madison. Um, but I, I did feel that Tulsa and, and I don't know if this is cause I wasn't as prepared or didn't know what to expect, um, for Tulsa, but those Tulsa Hills, although there's not as many as Wisconsin, they go longer. And I, I do think the elevation is slightly higher now. I'm not saying that Wisconsin okay. is easy by any means, you know, but, um, uh, also the swim, uh, and I don't know if it's since it was my second one. Um, I felt a lot more relaxed. I will say though, that, uh, I probably did line up two, two in the two, uh, too fast for what I actually swim. Um, but I wasn't far off. But I felt like I, I maybe passed two people, but was passed by about 200. At least that's what it felt like. <laughs> you know? um, and there were a few times, like one time I, I felt my foot hitting something sharp. It had to be a pair of goggles. I don't know what else it could possibly be. But And then one time on my swim stroke, I think I might have 
got somebody's head or some part of their body. But um, all I, I tried to do on the swim really was um, I had been practicing in the pool with the uh, swim buoy thing, you know, between your legs and all that. And oh, yeah, the pool, I, pool, pool, uh, yeah, pool buoy. Pool buoy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I would try to do four strokes, then come up for air, then do four. And, um, uh, that, that worked. I was able to do that the entire race. And I really, when I got out of the water, I I did not feel nearly as tired as, as I did with Tulsa. So I don't know if that's when I did Tulsa, my swim wetsuit was a little too tight. So maybe that has something to do with it. Okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm rambling on too much, but no, no, no. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, this is, this is exactly what I want to hear, but I'm going to pause you okay. there for a second. Um, so how, how do you count your strokes? So this has come up on the podcast before. Um, everybody has a different opinion. So is it is it right, left, right is one, you know, one or is it right, left is two? Like how, how are you counting? When you, when you say I go four strokes and then breathe, yeah, how so are I'm you counting four, your strokes? Four arms, I guess. One okay. arm, two arm, three arm, four okay. arm, and then right. okay, perfect. I can't do that. Just so you know, oh really? I cannot, okay, I, okay. I, I I have tried it. Um, I I and even in, even when I was in, I'm not now, but even when I was in what I would consider my top physical conditioning, I could not I could not breathe that far apart. Hmm. Uh, so good for you well, that you're able you to, look able like to you're do in that. great shape Mike <laughs> well and and it's it's weird and it could be mental right it could very well be a, a mental thing that I think that I'm out of breath and it's just something I need to work on but I cannot do that um and so I want to ask about the wetsuit because I know from listening to the episode today <laughs> yeah you rented your wetsuit for Tulsa did you rent a wetsuit for Madison, did you go through the same? Like, did you know to get the right size this time? Like, how did that work? I bought the uh, wetsuit. Uh, X Terra is the brand. It was probably one yep. of the cheapest ones out there. I think it was one sixty five after tax or something in shipping. But uh-huh. and honestly, I thought once I buy this, I'm going to be swimming all the time. And I think I swam that thing three times. <laughs> you know, because I would think I'd get up and I'm like, I don't want to put that thing on. You know, so I just yep. end up going to the pool anyways. But um, Getting back to the whole, you know, doing the four strokes and breathing, I really had to practice that quite a bit. And also, I'm not the fastest swimmer. So maybe if I, you know, whenever I tried to move my arms faster, the breathing, Mm -hmm. trying to do that four strokes and breathing was more difficult. So maybe I'm doing it just slow enough where I'm able to do that. I'm not sure, but. Well, I mean, maybe you're just in that sweet spot. I don't know, but it's, it's definitely something that I am not able to do. So I just wanted to, you know, point out that, you know, being transparent, like I can't do that. So good for you. Um, so you're looking at your, oh, and so I want to point out, um, for those that aren't familiar with the Madison course, the swim is a two loops, two loops, two loops. And you and I, um, just like prior to Tulsa, we, uh, communicated a little, a little bit before, uh, the race. And, um, we had discussed, you know, how early we're going to get in the water, where you're going to line up. And, and a, and a lot of it from memory had something to do to, to do with the two loops. Plus there was a reported no passing zone 
on the bike and we were talking about like, how would that line up? Like, how did all that f- work out for you? Well, the, um, there was a no passing zone, like on the bike path. Now that didn't last as long as I thought it would. Um, so, but, uh, you know, it was rain, it rained the entire day, literally nonstop. I don't think there was one minute of, of non raining, but, um, so we were kind of going slower, uh, just to get through that. Um, but one nice thing with this course is it goes clockwise. So I could see the, and I'm, I look to my right when I go to breathe for swimming. So that was easier. Tulsa went counterclockwise. So it kind of threw me off a little bit. Didn't know how close I was, but, um, totally tracking. Yeah. And I think the reason for trying to get maybe ahead of, uh, where I was swim speed wise was to not uh, missed the cutoff for the bike because that was definitely a, a, a real issue with Tulsa. Um, gotcha. But I, I really, now I look back on it, I think at least, you know, currently, and, and hopefully I don't get worse as I go on with my triathlon <laughs> career, but <laughs> um, I think I could probably go back to, cause I finished that swim in an hour and 37, even though my watch said an hour and 35. Um, I think I got too close. Maybe the chip started or something, but um, mm-hmm. I think I could probably line up right where I should be and still be okay. And I'm not, I still, I really need to get faster on the bike, but I still think I would be okay. Um, gotcha. For the bike. So I would probably do that next time. Well, so I can't look at your Tulsa and your uh, Madison on the tracker at the same time. But uh, 137, how did that compare against your Tulsa swim? It was about 19 minutes faster. And um, only thing is though, Tulsa was, they said about 400 yards or meters. I can't remember which one it was longer than it should have been. And because of Mm -hmm. that, they added about an hour to the race. So I, if it was yards, I had calculated at one point, okay, that would have been, 17 laps in the pool that might have added i don't know eight uh no that would have probably added uh 10 minutes to my time Mm -hmm. so i feel like my goal was an hour and 45 to get through the swim so i beat that by 10 minutes according to the iron man thing i beat it by eight but somehow uh my watch was three minutes faster than their uh times but okay so so right off the bat you've set a pr on the swim (laughs) <laughs> right so yep, we're good yep. we're pr and we're pr in the day right um and and you did mention that it was raining all day which ironically what i heard was that on saturday it was almost like perfect conditions that's the thing it was literally it was a huge shock honestly because um you kind of and i think a lot of people looked at the weather forecast and thought oh this is going to change because it had hardly even rained the maybe two, three weeks, four weeks, at least where I live, um, mm-hmm. which is a couple hours from Madison, but hardly even had rain. It had been mid-80s. I think I remember sending you an email saying it's supposed to be mid-83 degrees with yeah. humidity. I, I don't know. I mean, it might be too hot, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was mid-50s. Towards the end of the run, it was high 40s, you know. Oh, but um, wow. it was just a complete shock Uh as far as that, and it really, I remember being in the hotel about nine o'clock at night and it was about when I was supposed to go to bed. And, um, I kept thinking to myself, well, Walmart is open until 11. Do I go over there and buy something and come back? And I told myself, well, 
because the the day of diet was get up at four, eat, you know, which would be three hours before the race. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to be standing there at 5.45 or 5.50 in the morning. <laughs> I went to yeah. Walmart the day of the race to buy this long sleeve moisture wicking shirt. It was about a 10, 15 minute drive from Walmart to the race, which I couldn't have done this in Tulsa because you, you had to be on a bus to, to get to the lake. You could not okay. drive right there. Madison, fortunately I could. Um, but I had bought a, I actually bought two raincoats. I practiced with one and I was literally sweating to death. So I'm like, I, I'm not going to take that. But since I didn't take that one, then I bought another one, which my wife wasn't happy about. But, um, so I bought a raincoat, uh, that long sleeve moisture wicking shirt, a pair of, uh, waterproof socks, which weren't really waterproof, but they did keep my feet warm. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I bought anything else. Uh, I bought a pair of winter gloves. Not winter, but definitely cold weather gloves and like a cold mm-hmm. weather hat type of a thing. Yeah. Um, so I do think, though, a lot of people going to that race, some of them, and I even thought about it myself, just saying, well, I'm going to tough this out. I'll, I'll warm up enough on the bike to, you know, with all the, uh, you know, going up the hills and all that, that I'll be okay. I just, uh, I just think with the rain and the cold and being that it, it really had dropped even from the previous day, I just uh-huh. think, uh, had I been one of those people, I, I, cause there was, I think only about 70% finished that includes yeah. the people that didn't start, but it's, you know, so I think that was about five to 6%. So a good, good quarter of the people that started didn't, didn't, uh, finish. So yeah, I know that's in the top, top of, uh, a lot of races, but, and that's about what I heard and being, being transparent. Um, I, I listened to the C26, uh, crushing iron podcast on a regular basis. I love those guys. And yep. I think it was, uh, Robbie, uh, a couple of weeks ago, even prior to this race made the comment that more people will drop out of a race because they're too cold than yeah. they're too hot. And I would definitely fall into that category. I can, I can't, once I start shivering, like if I, I can't stop, I cannot stop yeah. shivering. Um, I can't handle the cold very well, which is super weird. Cause I love the snow and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> so you're saying you, you, you were a little bit proactive. You, even though it was the day before day of, <laughs> right. but you got, you got, you got you some cold winter gear and, and you you were, you were prepared. Yeah, most of the stuff I bought on Saturday the day before, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if my raincoat that I had just bought the day before was going to be enough that with the um, bike shirt. But yeah. when I came into T2, there was literally a guy laying on the ground, looked like he was sleeping with one of those um, silver, you know, the things that they give you after the race is over to kind of. Oh, yeah, like the thermal there. blanket, like the thermal yeah. blanket thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just, it was kind of chaotic. Um, Tulsa was not, wasn't like it. There was a few people in the, in the tent and, um, of course Madison is, is in a hotel and it's all indoors, but it was quite the scene in there. Um, you could just tell people were, uh, not, uh, prepared for the weather, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm going to ask you a question and I didn't, I didn't, I, I had completely forgot or I, maybe I misunderstood. So the transition area is indoor. Yeah. It's all in this hotel, I think a Hilton, I believe. 
you you come out of the swim, you go up this spiral thing, which feels like it's never going to end. You keep going around. I think it's three of them, but it feels like you're running a mile to get up that thing. Um, mm-hmm. You also come back on the bike and go up it also. But Is it like the parking go, garage type spiral? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, okay. Because um, there's uh, where the bikes are is basically where normal parking would be for the uh, Okay, hotel. so it's not – it's not in the hotel, like in the ballroom. It's in the parking garage of the hotel. Uh, no. Well, it's not even really a garage. It's still outdoors. The okay. actual transitions, though, they're actually in big ballrooms. It's like so. It is indoors. A, okay. B, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So both transitions are indoors. Um, Does there room service there, Doug? Can you order <laughs> uh, food? I didn't stay there. I stayed about fifteen miles away, but um, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I mean, because you were in uh, T one for fifteen minutes, so I didn't know if maybe you had uh, yeah, some and- <laughs> some some eggs, some bacon, and all that. I knew you'd bring that up, Mike. But <laughs> the thing is, there were so many layers you had to put yeah, on. No, I understand. I'm just not. I guess I'm just not fast at getting dressed. You know, I, I didn't wear a um, tri kit, which I thought I was going to. I just. Well, for one, I would have had to put stuff on top of that. There's no way you could just wear a tri kit unless yeah. I did see the pros were wearing it, but they're also going a hundred miles an hour on the bike, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, well, you also have to come out of the swim, go up that spiral, get in. So it's not as, as short as, as Tulsa. So, yeah. you know, that added at least a couple minutes, I want to say, but at least, uh, at yeah, least exactly. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so, so, okay. So, so the water, how was the water temperature? Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought, and it's funny because Mike Riley, which this is his last race too that he's announcing, he goes uh, at one point before the swim, he said, this is probably going to be the warmest you'll be all day. And it mm, was the warmest. And some wow. people complained that it was cold coming out. I I guess I was still, you know, worked up from the swim. I, I didn't think it was that bad, but... Well, I've noticed, um, again, cause I'm, I am cold natured, so I notice it more, but I've noticed that in the, in the, you know, the spring fall, when I swim in my backyard swimming pool, you can be in the water and you're fine when you get out of the water and your the, your skin is wet and it's windy or chilly. It, it seems like it's it, the perception is it's colder than it actually is, which is, it's just an odd little feeling. Yeah, so I can see yeah. how people would seem like it's colder once they get out uh for sure so yeah. you get out of the water you make it up the spirals you get all layered up uh you forego the room service you're out <laughs> on your bike now we learned last time that you had bought a quintano rue yeah uh, are you still riding the same bike still riding that i never did tell the story about that because i went on on and on <laughs> i bought that bike for 500 bucks the guy gave me the shoes Ooh. and it had the nice pedals i just found nice. a guy on craigslist <laughs> It's yeah. a 2014, and it's funny. I said, "Well, doing my research, it's a 2014." Well, it says right on the bike stem, 2014. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of think to myself, if I got a new bike, would I be faster, or is it just me? Maybe I'm just not fast enough. I don't know. I've kind of been going back and forth in my head on that. But, I mean, I know. think, I think, I think there's, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people are like, "Do you, you know, you can buy speed, right?" There's certain things is is your is the biggest uh thing that can make you the fastest the bike maybe probably not right um are there other little things that you could you could do that would get you the same amount of speed right is it 
the proper position on the bike or the right air pressure. Like there's other things like a, a newer, lighter bike, you know, physics probably going to tell you it's going to be, you know, faster, but are there other things that you could do on your current bike to make you faster? And that's kind of what I've been wondering. I mean, I don't have the zip wheels or those fancy wheels. So maybe if I had yeah. that, I don't notice that at a mile or two an hour, I'm not sure. But yeah, I looked at my cassette, I think is 1223 or something like that. And I don't know if changing that would make a huge difference. I'm not sure. Boy, I'm telling you, Doug, and I know because I listened to our podcast today, we did, we did talk a little bit about gearing. I think it was yeah. uh, Heli Rodriguez way back at the beginning of the podcast. He brought up the fact that um, when he goes into a race, he'll change both his cassette and sometimes his crank to set himself up for either a hilly course or okay. a flat course. And so, you know, if you want to get to that, you know, detailed of it, yeah, I think it would, it would, uh, affect you. Um, am I recommending you do that? No, I'm just saying it's like, <laughs> as we're talking it through, yeah, there are okay. all those little things that will make a difference, but I think, yeah. uh, not projecting on you, <laughs> I'll take any advice you've got. (laughs) Me personally, I would be willing to bet if I could get into the proper writing form, that's going to be my biggest return on an investment. Okay. Okay. I don't know that I'm holding arrow as long or as much as I should be. Right. And and I could be, I could, I could be reducing my resistance a little bit more uh, than I am. But you yeah. still turned in a you, st- you still turned in a good bike split. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I think it was forty five minutes faster than Tulsa. Um, See, yeah. The, the one thing I will say too is I I was had somewhat of a quiet confidence to use uh, another guest that you had on that had won the world championship. I think Pete. Pete. I don't oh know yeah, if you Pete him. Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was listening to that on the way home for the from the race, but. Um, I had that kind of quiet confidence because I, I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, but I probably took it too far in that I didn't check my back tire air pressure. I don't think mm-hmm. that was inflated. It was probably 80 or 90 PSI when I, I would have pumped that up to 120 or something. Maybe that would have made a mile an hour difference. So mm-hmm. I kind of got a little too laid back. Got there at the last minute to put Gatorade in my aero bottle thing. Because um, mm-hmm. I had had went to Walmart the morning of to to get that long sleeve shirt, but um, so yeah, maybe there's little things that I could could do, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think there's always things that we could look back on and say, if I did this different or I did that right. That's the that's all part of the learning experience. Um, the air pressure band is such a is is really uh, everybody has an opinion on it, right? I remember when I got into the sport. 110 everyone says you got to have your tires at 110 psi or whatever and then um as i was getting ready for waco everybody was like well you know are you running 23s are you running 25s how much do you weigh what is the road service you're going to be on maybe 95 Mm. psi right and so I, i definitely don't know that there is one standard answer to uh tire pressure these days um 
but it definitely does make a difference. I know that. I just don't know that I know what the right thing to have them set at is. And it may not be the same pressure for every situation. Right. Right. uh, To be honest. Well, and I will say this about, um, I hadn't really got into this yet, but, um, I had a lot of tire issues during training. A lot of, um, I had literally glass that went through the gator skin tires once. I had a lot of, um, there's so much maintenance in bike compared to run run. You just put your shoes on and go, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I, I did a lot of riding in the country, uh, or I tried to until I got the flat tires and then have to get my wife to come pick me up, <laughs> you know, but, um, I literally, and one thing I picked up, I think it was on one of your episodes is just be, have an attitude of gratitude during the yeah. the race. Well, yeah. my, my form of that was every time I hit a bump or, cause you'd go up these hills and then you'd go flying down the next hill. And just the fact that my tires look down and they're not deflated was, that was my gratitude for the day. You know, it's it just to keep thinking positive, like, phew, I made it through, you know, uh, another mile or another 10 miles or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I think being, being grateful is definitely, you know, I think, I, I think as humans, we sometimes can, uh, lose perspective on some things. Right. And it's, we have to do this. We have to do that. Right. And just changing that to, we get to, or I, I can, uh, changes your perspective and, and impacts your experience. And I don't remember who it was and I apologize that I don't, but somebody had mentioned to me along the way, thank, thank every volunteer, right? Because it's right, hard to right. feel sorry for yourself or be miserable when you are thanking other people. And yep. just that little bit can, at least for me, really, really changes my outlook, which changes my experience. Um, and so having an attitude of gratitude is definitely something that I, not just on race day, Doug, I, I try to practice in my everyday life. Um, some, some days I, my attitude of gratitude lasts longer than other days. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, but I I do, I do try to start every morning. All right, so we yep. we have a pretty good bike split. Uh, we roll into T two. We get to ride up the spiral this time. I'm guessing because yep. your T two yep. was an hour and thirty <laughs> seconds faster than your T one. So we definitely know you bike faster than you run. Um, now coming off the bike, were you were you still cold? Like how how were you feeling at that point? I really wasn't. I you know I had bought these bike pants that I never. Uh, war and maybe i should have my legs were a little cold but upper body i still had a, a long sleeve shirt my bike shirt and the the rain jacket so i i didn't feel cold and i i did debate in t2 do i keep this raincoat with me and thank god i did because i i took off the long sleeve shirt so i just to i had just my regular running t-shirt and then that um uh raincoat which okay. is pretty thin it's it's not a very it's, I don't think it's wind resistant, but maybe rain resistant, but, um, I can't remember honestly, but anyway, when I started running, um, it was too hot to wear that coat, but I, I had a hydration vest that I used for both the bike and the run just had two of them for that day, but I was able to wrap the jacket into that vest. So it didn't fall and I didn't have to worry about 
trying to cram it into my pockets or whatever. But the rain, the the run got colder as the day went on, as the night went on, basically. Mm. And I towards bet. the end, it it started raining harder and was getting colder. And mm. um, thank God I had that jacket because that uh, I, I don't know. You know, when you're running, you do your body heats up, but it was still too cold to be out there. I think without a jacket, unless you're you got gotcha. thick skin, I guess I don't know, but gotcha. Yeah. Well, by now, uh, we we hope that the listeners have either listened to your original podcast or <laughs> went back. But you you were uh, running was something that you had the most experience with coming into your Ironman experience, right in in Tulsa. You had run a um, a standalone marathon like ten or so years prior to. You'd run a five forty five, I yep. think in Tulsa you ran like a five forty ish, right? Yeah, yep, exactly. And so, and so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say you had, and I don't know how many were in your age group, so I don't have that. Yeah, but I don't know either. You had the hundred and second fastest swim. Okay. Right. You had the 83rd fastest bike, right? So you've, you've moved yourself up pretty good. That's a pretty good jump. Okay. It shows you had the 38th fastest mm -hmm. run male 45 to 49, but okay. going from going from 102 to 83 to 38. Okay. Is incredible. And Very even good. in these crazy monsoon Midwest conditions, you ran the marathon an hour faster than you did in Tulsa. An hour. You ran a 444 marathon. Yeah. It, did they did they shorten the course, Doug? Did they make <laughs> you run the whole 26 miles? Like how did how how did you how did you do that? Not that I know of, but you know what? I actually ran two blocks off the course and had to come back. And a guy followed me, and I apologize oh a few my times God, to him. But I really was um, – that Tulsa run, I was disappointed with myself. I mean, because my goal was just finish the race. Mm -hmm. And I, not that I wasn't proud of finishing, but – you know, when I got to the finish line in Tulsa, it, it, it was, uh, I was proud of the moment, but I felt like I could do more. I could have been better at it. And okay. I thought about that when I was running, I said, I'm not going to walk like I did in Tulsa, you know, and I did walk and the, actually about mile three or four, I thought, I didn't know how I'm going to run this marathon. I had been, you know, drinking the liquid nutrition. I didn't eat anything on the bike didn't even have a gel. It was all, um, the tailwind stuff, but, um, mm -hmm. not, not sponsored, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Could be, uh, but not, but not. They, they wouldn't sponsor me. I'm not fast enough, but, um, <laughs> anyhow, I had to just, and I did this in Tulsa too. I'm like, I, I cannot just keep piddling around here. I had to just kind of stop and eat some pretzels. I must've had three or four gels, I had a couple of Martin gels, which I had never eaten before because they're so expensive, but uh, a few of yeah. the ones that I brought and um, I drank Coke, which I, you can't really practice. I guess you could practice it, but I never would even dare to drink Coke when I'm out running in the heat. But um, 
once I got that food in me, I, I was good to go. And I, I thought I would get stomach aches, which normally is what happens, but I, I didn't. And I just kept saying, I'm going to keep going. And I remember that um, a couple guys were doing what I was doing in Tulsa. They were trying to run, then just couldn't, couldn't get the strength, so then slow down and walk. And I remember running past them, and they were like, man, you've got some pep in your step. And I was – the other thing I didn't do is I didn't – I really didn't want to talk to people. Not that I mm. was trying to be a, a real jerk or anything. It's just I wanted to be – I kept – my watch and my goals were really guiding me through that thing. Because my initial goal for the race was 15 hours. It was hour 45 bike, seven and a half – or I'm sorry, hour 45 swim, seven and a half hour bike and a five-hour marathon, which I never did calculate what five hours would be per minute mile or per mile per minute or whatever. But um, when I kept thinking, when I ran those first two miles, I think I was at nine minutes a mile. And I thought, okay, if I could stay at that pace, where would I be? Literally, the run was all about me calculating, okay, I'm at this amount of time. Let's see how many, what minute mile is that? Could I get to this? And finally, I came up with the idea I could I could probably finish this race in 14 and a half hours, which would beat my goal by a half an hour. Um, and that I really think is, I want to say it was that same um, guy on your podcast that had won the world championship was something about your brain can really make your body do things that it, you wouldn't think it could. And I'm probably really messing that up, but I was almost in a trance to try to hit that time. My, my right quad recept, I want to say was kind of killing me, but it was just this, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I didn't do a good job, good enough job. In my opinion in Tulsa, I'm going to keep running. And, you know, I don't care if this, this thing is 40 miles. I'm going to run until, you know, I actually looked at the pictures. I kept running after the finish line was over, but, um, funny. I, yeah, I was really, um, I, I just said, you you're gonna you're gonna keep going you're gonna push through this and the funny thing is like the day before i was you know sitting in the hotel room looking at the weather and i told my wife i'm like this is literally going to suck i mean it's going uh, all day it's gonna rain you know on on the phone it was like 90 to 100 percent every hour but then mm. i said to myself i'm like sure i'd rather be in my recliner chair watching football in my living room but I signed up for this race. I paid for this race. I trained for this race. Uh, I'm here now. I'm in it. Because there, you know, there was a guy that followed me when I went the wrong direction for a couple blocks. And I told, man, I'm really sorry. I was following these students because it's all on campus. Um, and I was probably in a state of delirium anyways because, you know, you're <laughs> how many hours in. But um, I apologized to him. And I remember him saying, I'm just thinking of a way to DNF this thing. And I, I said, you got this man, keep going. But I don't know. And maybe it's just me being a cheapskate or whatever. But I, when I get into these races, I feel like you do whatever you can. This is a one day thing. You can do anything for one day, you know, and you got to have that mindset. Obviously you don't want to be doing it. You, you don't, you'd rather be in a comfortable place, <laughs> rather be in a hot yeah. tub somewhere, but you can do that when the thing's over, you know, that, I guess I had that kind of mindset to it. Yeah. And, and you know that it's come up a couple of times on the podcast and obviously, um, every, everybody's situation is differently. Everybody deals with different things. Um, and, and what you said, I have heard said in a couple of different ways, but, but the, 
mind will give out way before the body will actually give out. Right. And so it's, it's, it's keeping yourself, um, focused and convinced that you can continue to go. And I even, I even saw something on social media the other day where somebody had referenced, a, a, an experiment that had taken place back in the fifties with mice and how long they'll tread water once they know somebody will save them from drowning. Like they're, they did an experiment mm-hmm. and a mouse will tread water for like five minutes and then it'll just give up. And then the, experiment person like pulled them out of the water right and then they yeah. let them they let them you know get the breather they put them back in the water they'll tread water for 60 hours now Jeez. because they because Jeez. they know or they they have that belief now that somebody will save them before they drown and yeah. so i think it's it's all about your your mind overcoming whatever um uh, is causing you physically now that's not to say that everybody who dnf's a race you know, isn't mentally strong or whatever. There are things right, that, right. you know, you're, you're, you know, you have, um, uh, body issues, breakdowns, uh, things like that. And you, and you just can't overcome them. And the right thing to do is to say, Hey, today's not my day. Right. So I want to be very, very respectful of that. But I do agree with you that w- the races that I have been in, in part of my process is I paid for this. I'm going to see it all the way through. Like I'm going to drag, I'm going to drag my body across that finish line somehow, uh, because I'm getting that participation ribbon, buddy. Uh, so I, <laughs> exactly. I totally, uh, totally with you there. Obviously I, uh, had bought the gear. I had the raincoat, the guy that was saying, I, how do I DNF this thing? He's wearing the zoot, uh, tri kit or whatever, no jacket on. Had I been doing that, probably in the same ballpark. So I am not at all saying, you know, tough it out. Come on, you can do this. Oh, yeah. No, I know. But, uh, I, know. I know. You know, um, yeah, just like, well, for the other thing is if I don't finish this thing, is my wife going to let me do another one? You know, <laughs> that sort of thing too. But um, yeah, I, you just get in that mind frame of I'm I'm doing this and I, I'm going to get through it. So. Yeah. Well, it sounds, it sounds like in the four months in between Tulsa and, um, Wisconsin, you, you picked up a few things because you didn't have a, you didn't have a watch, <laughs> you didn't have a wetsuit. Um, you, you didn't have a raincoat back then. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this, uh, have you, I know you bought some, you bought some cabinets, uh, and all that, but <laughs> is this like, are you in this thing for the long haul, Doug? I mean, at one point, I remember you saying you were one and done. Yeah, uh, that's why I said thing. it. If I didn't do the first podcast, I honestly don't know if I would have done the Wisconsin race, to be honest with you. I'm being 100% honest. It must have been some motivation. Something you said, Mike, that got me no, uh, good. But no, I didn't know, know if I had said that on the first one. I didn't even have a watch on that first one. I had Yeah, a you said that because I, okay. I heard it today. Yeah. Uh, I had a bike computer. The only thing that worked on that was a cheap $70 one. The only thing that worked was the time of day. And that's literally how I did the race was hit the cutoffs. And that was my time. And getting back to the whole, you know, almost kind of mind over matter thing or the the story about the mice, you think about it. If you say, um, I'm going to do 50 pushups and you get down Mm -hmm. and you start counting it is much easier for you to do that than if you just start doing push-ups and try to get to 50, but you're not counting. 
you know, so I, yeah. I do really think there is something with you have a goal and you're, you're trying to stay close to it. And obviously I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to do this and whole race in nine hours. Cause that's not even completely, you know, close to realistic, but as long mm-hmm. as your goals are realistic and you, you know, I think there is something that, you know, trying to hit those times really does it maybe yeah. block out some of the pain that your body is experiencing. I am going to ask you a question because the, while this is not a psychology podcast, <laughs> um, the 50 pushups, do you think that it would be easier to do the 50 pushups counting up knowing, okay, so I'm, hmm. I'm doing pushups and yeah. I'm at 25 now I'm at, or do you think it would be easier to get the 50 by counting down saying, okay, I've only got 25 left. Now I've got 20 left. I've only got like, I, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever given that some thought? Cause I have. I haven't. That's interesting. I remember one time I was in the National Guard and a guy bet me, can I do 100 push-ups? And he paid me 50 bucks. And I did those. Mm-hmm. I did have to get into a weird inverse my arms a little bit to try and rest my muscles. And it took me longer yeah. than I would have thought, but I did get there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd lose count or figure out where I was at in the thing, but that is a good question. I never really thought I- about that. Yeah, I am I am probably twice as likely to complete them if I count down. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it's a psycho, it's a psychological thing uh yeah. for me at least, which is weird. Uh but every, you know, everyone's different. <clears throat> okay, yeah. so you 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 said that you didn't know that you would have done Wisconsin until you came on the podcast. Uh now you now you've you've been on here twice now, Doug. You're regular. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> I appreciate Are you, uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries. What's, uh, what's next for you? Are you, I mean, obviously you're putting up kitchen cabinets, but what's next <laughs> for you, uh, in the triathlon world? Well, I, doing two of these in a year was a lot. And, um, it, I was probably too much at definitely at times. I'm like, why did I do this? I, I spent what nine months leading up to the first one. And now I've got to do this for another three, four months or whatever. But Currently, I'm looking at, you can't sign up for Chattanooga because their race is here in four days, but um, that is the next one. It's a 10-hour drive from where I live. Um, I've been to Chattanooga a few times on my way to Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be as hot as you can be, so I I feel like that would be a good challenge. I don't think it's as hilly as the two courses I've done, so maybe maybe the heat will be worse, but it won't be as hilly. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thrown out there yeah. but um i think that'd be a good challenge i've actually i've got a spreadsheet of all this stuff and I've, I've i've tried to look at all the races the full distance and see how long of a drive is this for my house i know one of them's in canada montrebanc i think mm-hmm. that's 15 hours from from where we live so i've and tried to pro- yeah i was thinking about that although everyone i talked to from canada i say yeah i didn't want to spend the 200 hours on the passport and like I don't know if you need that, but I think really? you do. I would have thought you needed. I think you need I a think so to too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but so um, yeah. At least that's that is my goal now. My big thing now is: do I spend a lot of money on a bike trainer, a smart trainer, and that? That's kind of a big decision. But well, I don't think you need to spend a lot of money on a bike trainer, Doug. I mean, there's definitely some some deals out there. Um, right. you know, it depends on if you get the direct drive or you get the wheel on and that whole thing. I think I have a wheel on smart trainer. I bought okay. used, I think I spent $200 on it. 
Jeez. It's Bluetooth enabled. Um, it's the tax, which is what Garmin bought. Okay. Um, but it's a, a wheel on. So I, I have a wheel with a trainer tire. So I switched that out, but I didn't spend a lot okay. of money. Uh, okay. I didn't spend a lot of money on it. Um, well, I didn't do the full uh, distance race in Chattanooga, obviously, as you know, yep. because I did it the same day you did Tulsa. I did the 70.3. And I have to say Chattanooga as a town is really nice. It is a gorgeous town. The people are super nice. The venue is really uh, like the Ironman village is right in the hub of everything. Okay. Um, It's a downriver swim. Some argue it's not really current assistant. I don't know. I set a PR Mm -hmm. on the swim. Uh, And you'd have a whole year to get up those kitchen cabinets (laughs) and train for it. So I think Chattanooga next year is a perfect plan, to be honest. Right, right. I did look at some in the in the spring to think, am I crazy enough to sign up for another one of these and do two in a year? I was looking at Waco, and I'm like, I I can't, I can't keep doing this. I've got to, I've got to get back to family life a little bit here. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, everybody's different, but uh, you want to maybe give your body a little bit of a break too. I mean, two two full distance races in one year after never having done one before. That's a that's got to be, I mean, not only financially, but that's got to be pretty hard on you physically. Um, yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm in the uh, phase of I'm still eating as if I was training, and I'm not training nearly as much. So I know I can't okay. do that too much longer, or else. I weigh about 300 pounds, but hopefully I can ta- uh, taper that off and get back to reasonable eating slash exercise. You got to tape, you got to taper your, your food consumption. Exactly. <laughs> That's a different kind of exactly. taper than we normally hear about. That is so funny. Well, man, I, yeah. I have really enjoyed, uh, I've really enjoyed catching up with you and I've really enjoyed, uh, hearing your experience. I congratulate you on, you know, your journey for taking on the Wisconsin course for, I mean, you crushed it in my opinion. I mean, thank you, Mike. Thank you. shaving an hour off your run time on a miserable day like that. I don't care what your run experience coming in. That's a big deal. Thank uh, you. congratulations. Uh, and I know there's going to be, uh, listeners that are just as encouraged to this episode as your, they were your first, <laughs> Um, but as we, as we wrap stuff up, do you have any, do you have any last, you know, little tidbits or nuggets that you want to share or pass along? You know, and, um, I just tried, you know, the most inspiring thing of that whole race was there was a guy on the bike. Um, I think I was at mile 80 and he was at mile 40 and you look at my bike time. It was almost eight hours. So it's by no means am I a great biker. But he was a, a very, uh, not very overweight, but definitely an overweight guy. And to, I saw him on the run later that day, and uh, I said, good job, man. And I hardly talked to anyone the entire race. I just kept going, and you know, I would, I would say thank you to volunteers that I saw out there. But to me, that was really one of the most inspiring things, to see someone out there that I'm sure they train because you can't do one of these without doing some level yeah. of training, but it, it is yeah. very inspiring to see someone that is out there giving it everything they got. Cause you don't need to have a six pack or have, you know, uh, won the tour de France to do one of these things. You, you can put in the time and, and get out there and, and give it a try. You, you, 
you know, you have nothing to lose. Well, obviously besides the registration fee, but <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know, you, you had the experience, you got out there and did it. And to me, that is just very inspiring. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I, I think in, when somebody hears triathlete, their, their mind probably goes to a body type. Right. Right. And right. so, um, that's not always the case, right? There are all kinds of body tape types, all ages, right? I mean, to that point, I remember the, I was at, uh, I think I was at Galveston doing, uh, volunteer work. They had, uh, like an 82 year old man finish, uh, and had a pretty good finish time to be honest. And that's inspiring. Right. And so I think there, there are so many inspiring stories that are associated with, you know, endurance sports, whether it's triathlon, whether it is ultra running, um, you know, anything like that. And, you know, yours is just another one of those, right. You know, and, and I think that's, that's, what's so cool, um, you know, about, uh, this thing that we're a part of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, not to keep going on, but there was a, a person on the pathetic, uh, triathlete group on Facebook. It was a 64 year old woman who was, you could tell upset cause she didn't hit one of the cutoffs and she was saying, I'm not going to get the tattoo. I don't believe in the corporate thing and all that, but, and I should have went on and I probably will go at some point, but there were a lot of people that spoke up and said, you're a 64 year old year old woman that's doing this. Think of how many other 64 year old women are out. You know, they're probably sitting in a recliner knitting a, a sweater right now. You are out doing an Ironman there. Yeah. You know, you've got to be proud of what you trained for and what you're doing, you know, regardless yeah, of, of sure. how you do. So for sure. So, uh, Jaime Ferraris, who was on my uh, show a couple of weeks back said that I need to start asking everybody, uh, if they're going to get the tattoo. So you've now, compl- you've now, uh, completed two full distance races, Doug. Uh, I, do you have the tattoo I don't, and, or are you getting the tattoo? I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> okay. And I just don't, uh, I don't want my wife to think, because honestly, part of doing this, I think, is this a midlife crisis or what am I doing here? I've never even cared about bikes or any of that that stuff until doing this. At this point, no, I don't know what the future holds. If I could convince her that I haven't lost my mind and getting a tattoo is just part of this whole thing, maybe. (laughs) But I don't want her to think, you know, I I bought a motorcycle and, you know, I I don't know what. (laughs) That's funny. You know, went crazy or whatever, but. Yeah, it's not for everybody, and and you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of people like, oh, why would you advertise? Is Iron Man paying you for that tattoo? Like, why would you advertise yeah. their brand? Like, would you get the Nike symbol tattooed on the side <laughs> of your foot? Like, right? I I don't know. I have it. Oh, um, you do? Okay. I, don't, I I do. I have I have it. I don't regret it, but I also understand uh, everybody's decision is different. So uh, that's perfectly fine. So I did promise Jaime that I would I would ask that question moving moving forward. Yeah, I am definitely not against anyone that has it. I think it's cool. Yeah. I just, being someone without tattoos, I'm not at that point yet. (laughs) I hear you. I hear 
Well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's stay in touch. Uh, yeah. Chattanooga is a long way away, and who knows, yeah. you might you might be in Texas uh, in the spring because that's an April uh, race last time I looked. Uh, so you never you never that's know. Right. Uh, but man, it was really good, uh, really good catching up with you. Congratulations again Thank on you. your uh, on your finish, and uh, we hope to uh, we hope to see you again soon. All right, I appreciate it, Mike, and. Uh, you're doing an amazing job on this podcast. I, I try to listen to every episode and I, I learn a lot and I get inspired by the, the people on it. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, you're more than welcome. And, and you know what? I was debating on whether I was going to bring this up, but since you kind of segue into that next episode, we're going to do something that we've never done before. I am actually having on a guest host. Okay. So be sure to <laughs> tune in next week and you will hear uh, co-host uh, of the very first uh, episode of the Everyday Iron Man podcast. So uh, hopefully, right. uh, hopefully everybody will tune in and hear that. So okay, uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with me tonight there, buddy. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share, or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at everydayironmanpodcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.